Hello, you're listening to the Bonded Books Podcast, where we discuss books, fight over book boyfriends, and the lack of filter is a family trait. If you're lucky, you might even hear one of our dogs barking in the background. Because hey, if we have to deal with them, then so do you. We hope to dazzle you with our discussion while not being hurtful to the authors we feature. Success not guaranteed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. We're going to talk about this book. Yes, let's talk about this book. Is this a first for us doing a reverse harem on the podcast? No. Okay. We hardly ever read these. I used to read these a lot years ago, and I haven't read a reverse harem in forever. So I think the break was good for me because I enjoyed certain things in this book that normally I don't even read reverse harem at this point. I think we did one reverse harem, and at the time, I, I couldn't get into them because I don't believe one man put your needs and happiness above theirs, let alone five or six. And you were at the point where you were over reading reverse harems. I think we only Mm -hmm. did one. That makes sense. But you had found this book. I think you got it on the free Kindle day or something. I can't remember how you found this one. Okay. So the book is called Lucifer's Daughter, a reverse harem paranormal romance. It is book one in the Damned Magic and Divine Fates series, Queen of the Damned. (laughs) Yeah, longest title in the world of long titles. Yes. And the author? Oh, sorry. Author is Kel Carpenter. Good catch. Yes, and it's the first, for me, I, I don't know if you've read anything by this person before, but I haven't. I have not, but I think I did look her up on Instagram, and she actually has a lot of books out. No, no kidding. Yeah, and I'm actually opening the book because I had some stuff highlighted I wanted to read in the author's note that she has at the beginning of the book. Oh, yeah, please do that. Okay, the very beginning of the book, she has like a little bit that she wrote, and then she actually lists the tropes, and she lists the triggers. And so when I read the book, I skipped the trigger warnings because I don't usually like to read those because it'll kind of give you a heads up to what's happened in the story. But I'm going to read them for you here because I think they're important. Mm-hmm. And Agreed. Oh, and I will say just like personally, I don't read triggers before I read books because I don't have triggers. But I do like that she put these triggers before the story starts for anybody who possibly does have triggers. And she did put the tropes, which I thought was kind of cool, actually, because she says tropes you can expect to see in this series, not necessarily the first book. So that was kind of cool. You get a heads up as to what's going to happen overall. Mm-hmm, right. Tropes are faded mates, jealous, possessive alpha heroes, why choose slash reverse harem, snarky heroine, Pet raccoon that steals the show, (laughs) found family, four horsemen, explicit sex, hidden identity, blood play, minor dom slash sub dynamics in bedroom with power plays, biting, 
anal and branding with magic. I think my favorite <laughs> out of all that was the pet raccoon that steals the show. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. And then triggers, I'm going to read now because if you have one of these triggers, maybe don't listen to our talk about this book. And the triggers are PTSD, mental health, mentions of abuse to side characters, which are not shown, attempted sexual assault, which is shown, sexual abuse to male main characters, which is shown, dubious consent, in parentheses, it says, kind of. So right away, I loved that the author did that because I think those are really important. And I know there are some authors who don't believe in trigger warnings. And for those authors, I no longer read them because I think that's fucking ridiculous. I agree 100%. I personally have triggers. I read that and I was like, oh, oh, this is going to be a wild ride. But I read the book anyway. So yeah, I mean, a lot of people, not just myself, but a lot of people have been through a lot of crap in their life. We don't need to be bringing that up for people that is going to make them uncomfortable. And I think the author should put them. Shock that you're saying they don't. Well, there are some authors, and I have heard that authors like L.J. Shen don't mm -hmm. put them. They feel like, I don't know, they're too good for them, or they don't need to, because why would you? That's like putting a spoiler but at the same time, you're almost doing a disservice to your readers when you don't. And I feel like if TV shows can give you some little indicators yeah. when the episodes right. start, like if if Netflix is putting a little thing that's like, this is stuff mm -hmm. you can expect to see in the episodes, and they could put ratings on their shows, then authors can put trigger warnings. I agree, because there are certain subjects that I absolutely, if I read them, I'm going to flip out. And I don't need to flip out any more than I already do in my daily life. <laughs> <laughs> And it took me a lot of therapy and a lot of time to get to a functioning point and talk about that shit. So I don't want any surprises. Thank you. I just wanted to say in the opening chapter, chapter one, I loved it because the first line is, hell must have frozen over. And I thought... Yeah. How many times have I used that expression? I think she says that because she walks into a diner and that she sees a girl there that is never there, right? And that's what makes her think that? She is actually, Ruby is sitting in this diner. And when she looks up, this woman named Kendall Clarkson, who she refers to as the resident Bible fanatic, enters the diner and just immediately starts stomping across the diner to her and sitting down at her booth. Yeah, I, my note about Kendall is that she is a holier-than-thou hypocrite. Agreed. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I would so hurt this bitch. We find out that Kendall actually slept with the female main character's boyfriend and basically stole that boyfriend away from Ruby, who's the main character. Because Ruby did not would not sleep with him. His name is Josh. And Josh started going to the church that this Kendall person goes to and ended up sleeping with her. So now he is Kendall's boyfriend. Yes. And... We also find out in this chapter that Ruby is a half-demon. She says she's half-succubus. I had this note about Ruby that she is the opposite of the last female main character we had who would never stop eating everything in sight. Ruby only eats four orders <laughs> of bacon and drinks black coffee. Love it. You go, girl, because that would be me. Love bacon. Oh my God. 
she's ordered that several times throughout the book and it's not four slices of bacon no it's literally four orders of bacon <laughs> well you can never have enough bacon bacon oh my gosh so ruby and kendall have this tense interaction in this diner and then when ruby leaves the diner um she does set kendall's car on fire in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. She can't take her snarkiness anymore. It was hilarious. So then chapter two opens up with Ruby in jail. Mm-hmm. And she's talking to the, one of the officers <laughs> in the mm-hmm. jail. And he says, you broke the windows and set her car on fire. It blew up. How do you deny that when we have 28, no, I'm sorry, 29 witnesses that <laughs> saw you? Ruby just goes, well, they could be lying. It's so funny. And then while they're yeah. in this interrogation, he does say, get your damn shoes off the table, Morningstar. And so yeah. I just highlighted that because I'm like, of course, her last name is Morningstar. Well, of course, that's the devil's name. So Ruby ends up getting bailed out and she thinks it's her best friend. When she walks outside, it's actually not her best friend. It's this gorgeous stranger waiting for her in the parking lot. She calls him a black haired devil with smoldering eyes and that his hair was a color so dark his skin looked ashen and that Mm. he had amber eyes. I highlighted that also because, yeah, he was very good looking and apparently he was the one that bailed her out of jail. She thought it was going to be her friend Moya, who is half Banshee and Moya is her BFF. So this guy's name is actually Alistair. And I did like that we get their points of views, the guys, there turns out there's Mm -hmm. four of them. Mm -hmm. We get their POVs throughout the book. And I loved that. Yeah. And she refers to him as an incubus. Yes. Right? It turns out that he has been waiting 23 years for her. And so we find out that Ruby's 23 years old. And he's been waiting for her to get older, but not just to get older. He was waiting for this specific event to happen in hell before Mm -hmm. he contacted her again. And we find out what that event is later in the book. And he can also mind link with the other guys. So he has a couple like interactions with the guys in his POV. Yeah, and Moya ends up pulling up and she to get away from him because she's like, I don't need to be involved with men and certainly not a demon man. She avoids him like the plague. And so she just gets in Moya's car and takes off and leaves him standing there. I think, does she go home or does she go to the tattoo parlor? And that's when we meet her pet raccoon. I think she goes to the tattoo. Yeah, she goes to the tattoo parlor. But there's part of there is a part after the she gets in the car and leaves where Alistair is really kind of surprised because she had no indication of who he was and he's surprised by that uh yeah it's weird because he's like surprised that she knows nothing about him I don't know I felt like they shouldn't really expect her to know anything about them but they also don't know anything about her upbringing it gets kind of clarified later on in the story I think why she doesn't know anything about them yeah and he ends up mind linking to somebody else named Ryston and mm-hmm. he asks how did it go and he just says to him well it's your turn you know and Ryston says do you want to talk about it and he thinks to himself he's been spending far too much time with humans oh. maybe he's watching the stupid television shows reality shows so yeah she ends up going to a tattoo place called Blue Ruby Inc which is 
her shop. Yes, that she owns with her best friend. And then her raccoon's name is Bandit. I can't remember if we said that already. My note is that even though these gorgeous strangers show up, she has no interest in them because she's not really interested in men, especially demons. Mm -hmm. And it isn't a good thing in her mind when all these guys end up showing up. Right. And she's not there very long at the shop until door chimes, the front door. And Moya's like, how can we help you? She looks at him and he tells her, I have a consultation with Ruby. And Moya describes him as a blonde Adonis. Because there's no possible way his face could be any more handsome. And that was Ryston, right? Correct. Ryston, however you say his name. Yeah, and she ends up saying, I don't have any Ryston listed here. They're both using glamours because I guess Moya has green skin. Yes. Because she's a banshee. And she's blushing because she's affected by his presence. Yes. I mean, how could you not be? He sounds freaking hot as hell. No pun intended. (laughs) i'd be right (laughs) i'd be right this way sir my next note is that we something random happens to ruby i don't have any notes on it because it was kind of weird but after that random thing happens to her in chapter four we meet the third guy out of the four guys that she's going to eventually hook up with and his name is julian but he says the world knows me as death I don't want to say about what the rest of them are yet, but yeah. His description is that he has some similarities to Ryston. His hair was the lightest shade of blonde I'd ever seen, so blonde it could pass for white. They had the same dark green eyes and light skin, but where Ryston had this hot boy next door thing, this guy had an edge of beauty that was intense. His cheekbones were sharper, his teeth whiter. His skin didn't have a single imperfection, and the power that rolled off him was not something that wanted to be contained, couldn't be contained. Mm. Yeah, and she. this was kind of funny because he ends up saving her from a situation, and he tells her the world knows me as death, but you can call me Julian. And she thinks that they're going to hurt her, and she's like, why are you guys following me? I don't understand what's happening. And all she says is, please don't hurt Bandit. He's a good raccoon. And he's like shocked that in this situation, the first thing she thinks of was a raccoon. He thinks she shot me. And then she begged for the life of a raccoon. I didn't know whether I should be amused or frustrated. Ryston wasn't wrong. She was not what I expected. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't really have a lot of notes on these interactions that keep happening with Ruby and her ex, Josh, and then the new girlfriend, Kendall, but they do happen quite frequently throughout the book. Josh keeps popping up. He's a little obsessed with her. A little? Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense. She's a uh, succubus, right? So I guess it kind of makes sense that he's so obsessed with her. Yeah, but the thing I don't understand is she's a succubus and she never slept with him. Well, I actually didn't really like this in the book that she doesn't like to sleep with men because she... This is a paraphrased quote that I'm doing from the book. She thinks okay. it's rapey to sleep with men because she feels like the guys she's sleeping with have no choice but to sleep with her because of her succubus powers. I guess she's like a half demon, but she also has like a really strong moral compass and she doesn't want to take advantage of any of the guys that she sleeps with. Well, the other thing that I thought was very weird that I 
didn't like about this book is that find out at some point that she's a virgin. And I'm like, she's a fucking succubus. Why is she a virgin? I don't. Well, I was very surprised by that. That confused me, actually, because for a long time in the book, I thought she was a virgin because she says, or she thinks, I didn't have sex with anyone because it was never a conscious choice. I couldn't pick. I could pick any guy off the street and he would fuck me then and there if I wanted. Thanks to dear old mom. So despite my nature, I didn't fuck anyone. And this was what I got for it. Referring to Josh and him being obsessed with her and he cheated on her because she would never sleep with him. Then later on in the book, when that thing happens with her with Josh, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I felt like her behavior or... Not necessarily her behavior, but her reaction, I should say, was as if she had been in that situation before. So then I was kind of confused. Is she a virgin or is she had she been sexually assaulted in her past? I couldn't really tell. I got out of it that, yes, she is a virgin. And no, she had not been sexually assaulted. She was just livid that this was happening. Mm, okay. And they had to have some kind of doorway to present what she is, and that was the door. Yeah, I didn't like Josh, and I didn't like that he kept showing up in the book, but then it all oh kind God. of ties together at the yeah. end because he's kind of the catalyst for the ongoing conflict that happens in the in the next book, I guess. I don't want to so, give anything away, so I'm not going to say anything, so... It's in the same chapter that, or chapter five, that we kind of get a big reveal. We don't kind of, we do. We get a big reveal as to who the four (laughs) strangers are. And the big reveal is that Ryston is pestilence, Alistair is famine, Julian is death, and Laren, the last guy, is war. And they are the four horsemen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. So even though I've read the tropes before I read this story and it did say in the tropes, four horsemen. I don't know. I guess my uh, sieve for a memory came in handy because I totally forgot that that was a trope and that when this reveal happened, I was like, oh, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, and they're all sitting in her living room and she's thinking to herself, they are four of the most powerful arc demons ever created. The only person more powerful is the devil. And she couldn't figure out why they are his personal bodyguards. Why are they stalking her and not back in hell where they belong? Yes, because Ruby is 23. She's half demon and she says that the other half is human. She also hasn't what they refer to in the book as come into her power. So mm-hmm. she's like, I'm half succubus. I'm half human. And I don't really have any powers. And I'm like basically an old maid at this point at the age of 23 and being pretty powerless. So like, why are they here? It's very confusing to her. Yeah. And they end up telling her that we ha- we're, we need you to come back to hell with us. And she's like, what? She's all, I'm a half-breed. I wouldn't survive in hell. Why would you possibly want me? And they tell her, because you're Lucifer's daughter. It's kind of funny, her reaction, because she just kind of freezes. And she's like, they thought it was Lucifer's daughter. Oh, this was rich. And she just starts laughing her ass off. She's all, they're Mm going to kill me when they find out I'm not his daughter. And they're not laughing. So for her, and this is kind of clears up why she's, this is so unexpected and why she really knows nothing about these guys. Turns out that she actually grew up in a demon orphanage 
Didn't know those mm-hmm. were a thing. I don't think I've ever seen that in a book before. <laughs> Me either, yeah. So her mom dropped her off at that demon orphanage in Atlanta and said that she was a half-human baby. And that was basically why the mom was giving her up for adoption or the orphanage or what have you. The mom obviously knew that Lucifer was her dad, but I guess she did it to protect her. But because the mom didn't actually raise her in the human world, mm-hmm. that's why she doesn't know anything about who she actually is or who the guys are yeah and and julian ends up telling her asking her was her name lola morningstar and she says yeah and she's like well she brought you here to hide you there's and he tells her there are very powerful demons that want to kill you for the fact that you're lucifer's child and there's also what they talk about as being a premonition as to how she's going to play into not necessarily the apocalypse, but uh, this big thing that's going to happen in hell. I thought it was interesting. I haven't really, I mean, I've heard of Ragnarok, but I don't really know much about it. So I don't know if what this author is saying about Ragnarok is true at all. Uh, But I I did think it was kind of cool that they have this person. I don't know. Is he supposed to be like the demon version of like Nosferatu where he does all these predictions about what's going to happen? I think so. He's definitely a demon. And it says they he explains that this guy was gifted with premonitions. Yes. And he saw the end of the world as we knew it. And he said, Ragnarok, that the horsemen would fail, Lucifer would fall, the flames of Mm -hmm. hell would go out, and when the flames go out, the gates open, and the only barrier to stop what lives in hell from coming to earth is Lucifer's child, which this guy also prophesied would be a daughter, right? and that she would stop the apocalypse, Right, because she can control the flames of hell. And that they and, are their job is to find her and bring her back. Yes, and they tell her Lucifer died three days ago. Yeah, and her reaction was my reaction. He's the fucking devil, the king of hell. How the fuck did he just die? I'm That's assuming exactly we get what more. I, I think this is like a three or four book series, so we don't get mm-hmm. any on how Lucifer died at this point, right? We just find out. Well, I'm assuming we'll find out in a different book in this series. Yeah, but there is some comment in the book from one of the horsemen of maybe he went away and didn't really... I don't know. There is some hint that Lucifer didn't really die. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a little bit of a mystery. I just have really general summary from this point on and then i highlighted a couple things that were interesting that kind of stood out for me okay go ahead from the book so Mm -hmm. um generally what happens in the book is at some point in the book she goes to a club like a nightclub for demons i guess (laughs) with one of the horsemen while she's there she gets taken and kind of hidden by an imp I could not picture this guy at all, but he's an imp, whatever that is. At the time, it's kind of a small encounter, but it actually ends up being the setup for book two, possibly the whole series. I'm not sure. She goes with somebody who, which one of the guys did she go with? I don't know why he brought her here. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you're supposed to be hiding her. But but he thinks by him touching her or having his hand at her waist that it sends a signal to everyone that... She is claimed by him. No one's going to mess with her. So she ends up going in there. But this imp, they're like smoking opium, their version of opium or whatever. 
and he's able to put a glamour on her and he can't find her. One of the horsemen mm-hmm. can't find her. Yes. So then that horseman has to call another horseman to come over and help because that guy is actually better with glamours. Mm-hmm. And that guy comes to the club, finds her, takes her away. And then, of course, because she's all hopped up on these opium <laughs> things, mm-hmm. her succubus powers are going haywire. And so he does take her home and then he, like, takes the edge off for her. Yeah, it's I- Alistair that takes her home. And he's like, well, I can't leave her suffering. It's my obligation to soothe her. But he's not going to fuck her because he he tells her it's the drugs. I don't want to have you when you're high on drugs. I want to have you when you know what's happening. Yeah, that was pretty hot there. Scenes. It's funny because like I was reading those. I thought it was like a hot scene, him and her together. But then I didn't highlight anything from that. I just highlighted other things that had happened, like Alistair thinking she was a temptation, not quite forbidden, but entirely unexpected. When Lucifer brought us forth from the flames and gave us our purpose, I never imagined that I would want to fuck her like I do now. So they're starting to get... a drawn to her too besides the guys being hot they're like well you know she's actually pretty dang hot herself and it turns out when alistair is with her that i guess her hair is actually really dark blue i don't know if this was the first mention of it or i didn't notice it until now in the book but he thinks that she had a dark blue hair it was beautiful and unique and he thinks that he had never Never before have I met someone with hair the color of the flames, not even Lucifer. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, yeah, she starts getting these dots on her chest. And, you know, it says Lucifer placed his mark on you, but you grew up invisible. And she's like, I don't have a mark. And he points to her chest. And then she looks and she's like, oh, my God, what are these dots that are appearing on my chest? That was interesting because that mark does eventually show up on her chest Mm -hmm. towards the end of the book. Yeah, my only highlight from chapter 10 is when she has another freaking run-in with Kendall. She says, Kendall says to Ruby, I have no idea what Josh ever saw in you. And I loved Ruby's response because she says, self-respect and pure fucking awesomeness. Yeah, I love that. Um, at up. one point, she kisses somebody, and I loved this. She thinks, while she's kissing this guy, fuck living. He kissed me like he was dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. I'm like, oh, that's a different kind of way to put it. And I did like this conversation she has with one of the horsemen, because she's really worried about sleeping with somebody and them not actually having an active choice in it. And Mm -hmm. she says, one of the horsemen, how do you know you're not being affected without realizing it? And this guy's response is, you do realize who you're talking to. You know what I am. I'd make a poor horseman if I didn't have the knowledge or strength to fight off desire. And not even you, hell's heir, are strong enough to make me do anything against my will. That's why we were created to be the only equals that could protect and balance you. Yeah, I like that explanation. 
Yeah, I liked it too. And it I did like how it kind of cleared up why she was so resistant to having sex with men. Um, she does have a run-in with Josh again. Yeah, towards I'm, the I'm end sick of, of him. Book. Yes. Yeah. He attacks her. It turns out that he was being encouraged to go after her by that imp. Uh, the guys are able to rescue her. And she's able to uh, get away from uh josh and the imp escapes but josh doesn't so josh is not going to be an issue in the further books in the series but that imp will be yes and during this altercation with him is when we get the first glimpse that there's something inside of her there's you know when they said she hadn't come into her power yet it's when her power starts to rear its head yeah, it was interesting because her power is referred to as a beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julian thinks the beast had awoken and with it would come the transition. Maybe not tonight or tomorrow or even next week, but it would come. And we needed to be ready when it did. Lucifer had created us to be able to handle the beast, to ground her when she could not ground herself. If we were to have any hope of being able to do that, we needed her to trust us. Yeah, the, the the thing that I did not get or like is that right after, so they they burst in, they save her from being assaulted. Well, Josh is assaulting her, but raping her. They He takes her out. I think it's Alistair takes her out. And as they're walking or he's carrying her to the car because she's drugged, Josh had drugged her and she couldn't move, which sounded terrifying. That's when the imp appears. But when she was with Josh, the mo the monster, the beast started to come out to protect her. But then when this thing happened, I mean, it's not, she doesn't even get three blocks and she's assaulted again. I guess maybe because now people know she's out and they're well, yeah. all looking for her, I guess. They are all looking for her, but my point is when she's being assaulted by Josh, all four of the guys got some kind of shock through their body. They knew something bad was going down and they went to rescue her. And in the interim, her beast was coming out to protect her from Josh. Mm -hmm. They take care of Josh. One of them takes her and starts walking away with her and when this thing happens in the alley there is no the other three don't feel that in their chest that something's wrong and the beast is not coming out oh yeah it was kind of weird because she's able to have this like bond with them she can't mind speak with them like the guys can do with each other but they mm -hmm. are able to feel her pain and figure out what's happening with her but yeah you're right then this other thing happens it's kind of like i guess not consistent i don't know how to describe it but yeah it's not like she could do it every time i guess it's like sporadic that's what i'm trying to say yeah it didn't make sense to me so you know anyway it's turns out that it's the imp and all these there's going to be a huge power struggle to take over control of hell as soon as lucifer everybody found out lucifer had died and that she's the devil's daughter. They're all they're all going to be in this power struggle, and they're all going to want to kill her so that they can take over hell. Yeah, I guess maybe this is supposed to like explain why she's not fully in her power yet. But when she does see that mark on her chest, now it's complete. It turns out it's an upside down pentagram, and um, she thinks that it was a brand 
which meant I would transition and that Mm -hmm. the brand was Lucifer's Mark. To me, I would think getting the full brand and having the beast come out to rescue her would be the transition, but I guess it's not. Yes, that's what I was surprised by. I'm like, wait a minute, what is happening here? So I I, honestly... Go ahead. Go I was ahead. just going to say maybe they're leaving it for book two because this is like a series and not a standalone. I don't know. Well, why didn't they make this a prequel then? Uh, maybe every book in the series is short like this. I don't know, but I don't have any more notes after that. I don't need. I mean, the book is over after that. I okay. mean, it, the book just ends with her thinking that she's a demon destined to be the next ruler of hell. So the series is going to continue theoretically with her being the ruler of hell with the four horsemen trying to deal with that imp dealing with the flames going out or whatever so what did you think of this book i think i would give it like three to three and a half wet panties i haven't read a reverse harem in a long time which for this book worked in its favor because i did like that there was four of them especially because they were the horsemen Mm -hmm, Um, yeah I liked that they got their point of view, that we got their point of view in the story. I didn't like Josh. I thought he was annoying as fuck. Um, <laughs> I didn't I didn't like her thinking that being a succubus was rapey. That really bothered me every time she thought that. I wouldn't necessarily mind reading any more in the series, but I don't think this series is on KU. So I don't oh. know if I will or not. Well, I have some thoughts about this book. I... There were things I liked about this book and definitely things I did not like about this book. So she had all that disclosure in the front and the warnings and the triggers and only a couple of things happened. I thought this was a reverse harem book and nobody has sex with her. They, a couple of them interact with her or do things with her individually, but there is no reverse harem. I didn't like the fact that she was a succubus and a virgin and that she didn't, same thing as you, that she felt like it was kind of rapey, that men only wanted her because she was a succubus. But maybe they're trying to portray her as somebody that does have some kind of moral standing and she's not just your run-of-the-mill succubus. Some of the conversations I did enjoy, they were very funny. Um, The raccoon was not, I expected much more, from the raccoon part when she said the raccoon's hilarious and steals the show. I didn't really think he did, um, but that was me. So I would probably only give this two dry panties. Okay, I could see that. This is a reverse harem, but it's gotta be what I would consider a slow burn because the only sexy time thing that happens is one of the guys doing something to her and he only does something to her because of that whole nightclub situation they were in yeah it's like if you're gonna label yourself a reverse harem let's have some sex something but yeah i don't think that i will i won't be reading the next book in the series but once again i have like a million things i'm reading or trying to read and i'm not a big fan of reverse harems anyway but um i was expecting at least for there to be sex (laughs) if it was a reverse harem but that's my opinion The only thing I could think is that because it is a multi-book series and not everyone wants the fast pace like we do, (laughs) that that's why she didn't have any sex scenes in the in the story, I guess. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. I would have to agree with you. So, yeah, I mean, so you're going to have four uh, four peens in the story. We want to want to see one of them at least. Yeah. (laughs) 
I, I want all four of them in bed with her. I, I want a reverse harem if it's as a reverse harem. Otherwise, it's just, you know, an affair. I'm sure it happens in some of the later books, but like I said, you have to pay for those. And who has time to pay for books when there's so many on KU that you can just get for free? Right. And so many that I, I'm done downloading those free books when they say, oh, you can get books free today, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I'm never going to get through the amount of books I have already. Yeah, me either. So do you want so, to announce the next book or do you want to talk about what you're reading now or what you've read? Sure. So the next book is Griffin's Pride by Kay Draper, which I'm sorry to say I think is also a reverse harem. Have you we'll started see, maybe, it yet? No, but I had to look it up on Amazon to download it. Oh. And it's, oh, yeah. uh, get. I don't know how you say this, Gessa, G-E-S-A, mm -hmm. Gessa's mm -hmm. Menagerie. Well, that's interesting because I didn't even put two and two together, but I'm like... I started reading that book and I'm about 40% in the book already. Oh, okay. It does it sound and that's, like since no, you're reading it, does it, it seem like it's a reverse harem? No. Oh, so I must but, be wrong. Well, we don't know. Um, and the other thing is, I believe that was another book I got free on the free book giveaway. So what are you reading? I'm sure you've read a million things between last week and now. I actually haven't. I cannot focus. I've, got over covid and then now i have a cold uh, so i've been watching a lot of tv <laughs> i've been actually taking a lot of naps feel like trash so i've slowly been reading a reese barden book called into the dark mm -hmm. and this book is actually kind of throwing me it's taking me a while to read it probably because i am sick and it's hard for me to focus uh -huh. right now yeah, but it really seems like it's a uh, what do you call it? Um, not a reverse harem, but when it's the girl with two guys and you're oh the love triangle. See, can't fucking yeah. focus right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're so, not the only one. Yeah, so I'm reading it and I'm like enjoying it, but at the same time, I fucking hate love triangles. So I think that's another oh. reason why it's taking me a long time to read it because I'm like, is this a love triangle? If it is, I really don't want to read it. Is it a reverse harem? And she ends up with more than one person from this book. Because another thing that's throwing me is we're getting the female main character's point of view. And then the POV of two guys in the story. Which is another reason I think it's a love triangle. I don't know if it is or not. I'll finish it because I like this author. But it is taking me a while to get there. Yeah, I... I'm with you. I still am recovering from the COVID cold. It's been almost 30 days that I've been dealing with this and I'm really fucking tired. I'm really low energy. I also have been napping once or twice a day and then still able to sleep through the night because I'm so tired and, you know, I get up every day and my head hurts and my throat hurts but I did start reading again. I started reading, let me look at my Kindle, uh, Tough Enough, which is by T.S. Joyce. It's, I, I think, uh, book, what number did I say that this was? Book number five in her Battle of the Bulls series. It was super short. It was only 75 pages long. And I... You know, I love her stuff, but I could have skipped that book. It really wasn't, you know, anything for me. 
I'm also trying to work through the fall of the orc. I'm slowly picking away at that. I finished book six in the motorcycle Hellfire Riders. I finished book six, which is called Faking It All, which was pretty good. They're not, to me, none of them are as good as the first one with Jenny and Jax. Uh, they, they were so freaking hot. And then I started reading Evil Twin by Kate Wilde. It's book five, I think. Hold on, let me double check. I don't know which one it is. It's pretty good. It's about the, um, what's that, the Badlands or whatever, the Deadlands. It's in the Deadlands series. Okay. Uh, yeah, I yeah. do like that author. I'm, I really like this book. So I'm like, I forget, I'm almost done. I'm like 80% in. And then last night I was so tired I had to go to sleep. And I guess that's it. I kind of looked at my Goodreads. You know how they tell you how many books you've read so far this year? Uh-huh. I've looked at it. I looked at it and I'm like, this cannot be correct because it's saying I've read like 300 and something books. I go, there's only 365 days in the year. How in the name of God could I have read all that? 377 mm -hmm. books. And I know that I read multiple books at a time, but I find this very hard to believe. <laughs> so I need, I need to go through Goodreads and go, cause this just can't be right. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, you have read a lot. I feel like you've read more than I have. Maybe I have. I don't, I don't know. Maybe because I read so many at once, but I'm still, I don't know. Yeah. can't figure it out. So anyway, that's all I've been doing. I've also, I signed up online for, through Instagram for a watercolor class, which I'm excited to take. Um, I paid for it. I charged my, my laptop. So now I just have to get the energy to start watching it and follow along so that I can learn something. I, I've done a couple of watercolors, but I'm really, I've never taken a class. So this will be interesting. Oh, that'll be nice. Yeah, so I ended up taking in the dolls that I had been making and throwing in that box. And it ended up, I think there were like 27 dolls and six stuffed animals of the, the rabbit and the bunny and the teddy bear. Mm -hmm. So I brought that in. And so now I'm, I have to work on a couple more dolls because I'm not going to do my hand surgery decided and I'm trying to crank out as many as I can before Christmas for the, the kids. I love it. Yeah. Well, you're they, me, they, they ended up calling me Mrs. Claus. Oh yeah. Is that sweet? That's cute. It is cute. So um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. That's all. I'm, you know, doing things here and there. It's like I start doing something for a while and then I get tired of it or I just get tired and then I put it down and I, when I wake up, I start something else. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. I can't. This is the bad thing about having COVID and then being sick is I can't really like focus on anything. I started an embroidery, haven't worked on it since. I think I did two flowers on it and then put it down and haven't focused on it since. I can't really read. 
I mm-hmm. can't even really watch TV. The thing that I'm actually doing the most of is actually watching YouTube videos, which I never do, but oh, what the kind? girls love. Well, the girls love YouTube, so I actually watch a lot of YouTube with them. Oh. But I, I finally activated my own account on YouTube and <laughs> have found a few people on there that I like watching. So I'm watching, of course, a couple cooking things on there. Oh, my God. It's and... so funny. You're obsessed with the <laughs> cooking shows. And you you don't cook, really. Yeah. And I also <laughs> watch some makeup things on there. And actually, the thing that's so funny that I've really started watching lately is tablescaping, which I love tablescaping. Oh, and hilarious. so I <laughs> So I've uh, been watching some of those and seeing how people are doing their table setups for Christmas or Thanksgiving. Or one I watched this morning was for Alice in Wonderland. Did you watch oh, yeah. that show that was on Netflix or Discovery? That was the tablescaping show. Sure did. I did too. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is a huge deal to these women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have the energy. I used to be all into that, but I just don't have the energy anymore. Yeah, that that's what I've been up to lately. So, you know, the world of YouTube is like a whole new... And some of these things are so long, it's like watching an entire TV show episode, you oh. know, for the length of time they take to do some of these videos they upload. Maybe I'll watch them then because I do find them interesting and there's nothing good on TV. And I yeah. still have a horrible time getting Peacock to open and... I, I was I watched that show Gen V. Oh my god, it's so bloody and violent. It's crazy. But there's nothing really good to watch on TV. So I'm gonna check that out. So I will do that. Okay. Thank you for the suggestion. Anytime. <laughs> oh, and also I forgot to tell you I bought a turkey because you okay. know, always have to roast a turkey and uh, stuff for pumpkin pie. We still have to talk about Thanksgiving. I'm assuming I'm eating with you. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. I've, oh, it's okay. fine. I figured. Okay, good. Um, and yeah. I know you guys like the deep fried turkey, but I like a roasted turkey. So I may actually get it all cut up and then stuff and bring it over. Um. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. I haven't even thought about Thanksgiving at all. So, well, if we're feeling better, maybe we can um, tablescape our own stuff with the china that we have yet to use that Claire wanted to use. Okay, sure. All right. <laughs> That's it. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that was uh, a little bit different for us doing a reverse harem, but uh, we did it. That's whatever. I'm proud of us. <laughs> yeah. Always and, be proud of I- us. Yeah, and on that note, hopefully we will be better and healthy oh. for next week's episode. Because I'm really more sick energy. of being sick. Yeah, I feel like a, a zombie. I'm, I apologize that I, I'm just, my throat's killing me and I'm probably not going to talk for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. All right, All right. Well, we should both go and rest. Okay, thank you, honey. All right, bye. All right, bye. Thank you for listening to the Bonded Books Podcast. You can rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Our email 
is bondedbookspodcast at gmail.com. And check the show notes for a link to all of our social media.